By 2001, Britney Spears was three years into her career and had already sold over 40 million albums, had two number one albums, three sold-out tours, performed at the Super Bowl, Grammys, and MTV VMAs, scored three top ten singles, and had a million-dollar Barbie line. Oh, and she wasn't even 20 years old. But it was in the fall of this year that she would release one of her most personal and introspective albums in her discography. Britney. From immaculate performances to the catchiest pop tunes to some of her most legendary looks, this era was Britney Spears at her peak. On this episode, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of this album, and I'll be joined later on in the episode with special guest Bridget from Literal Trash 2004 on Instagram for a track-by-track of the album. So sit back, grab a Pepsi, and get ready to be immersed into the world of Britney, not a girl, not yet a woman. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Planet 2000s podcast. I'm your host Michael Kadosh and today we are doing a very special episode. It is the 20th anniversary of the Britney album This is one of my favorite albums of all time, along with Stripped by Christina Aguilera. The Britney album is so special to me, and for so many reasons, and so we're going to get into it today. We're going to be taking a look at the entire era. I'm also going to be joined later on in the episode by a very special guest, and we're going to be doing a track-by-track that I know all of you guys love when I do those, so it's going to be a very special episode. Without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Britney is the third studio album by worldwide pop icon Britney Spears, released on November 6th, 2001, through Jive Records and Zomba Records. The album was meant to be Britney's big transition from the teen market into a more adult audience and image. The sound was a little older, incorporating more R&B elements into the pop sound that she became so famous for. More notably, it was her image that became sexier and more sultry. The album is a pop and R&B album, and it incorporates elements of disco, hip-hop, rock, and electronica throughout the tracks of the album. Well, really, when I was recording this album, we were just in the studio, and I was like, you know what, let's just... We make this studio like a lab, and let's just throw all the sounds out there, and let's just be creative and just see what happens. And that's what we did. And we played with a lot of, I mean, this album is very hip-hop and rock-influenced. And um, I don't know, we'll see, you know. So pop, pop music is, I mean, it's all your definition of pop music. You know, in my opinion, it's popular music, you know, and just hopefully... I've brought this album, my music, to a different level. Lyrically, it is one of Britney's most personal albums. With Britney co-writing more than half of the songs on the album, this marked the first time in her career where she truly got to showcase her songwriting, something that she never gets credit for. For those who have something to say, all they gotta do is listen to this record and they know that she can write. Britney has a very Britney way of writing and expressing herself, and it's something that Britney fans, you know, we cherish it so dearly. I have, like, it stays with me. Like, I... The, my art and it's not a separate thing it's me it really is me and who I am and like when that changes a person you grow as, you change as an artist too it's not something that is ahead of you or behind you you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying I think that being an entertainer it's definitely who I am but I think being an entertainer period is um, it, it's expressing yourself but at the same time it's if you're singing about a rock song, for instance, for example, I sing a song called Lonely in my show where I'm just like this rocker chick and I go all out. That's not me. That's me being a performer and an entertainer. Britney worked with an eclectic array of songwriters and producers on this album, including Max Martin, Rami, Rodney Jerkins, Brian Kirolf, The Neptunes, Josh Schwartz, BT, and Justin Timberlake. 
LOL. <laughs> she was originally supposed to also record at Missy Elliott and Timbaland, but due to Britney's intense schedule at the time, the collaboration never came to fruition. We have to remember that she was filming the movie Crossroads, recording the album, and rehearsing for the tour all around the same time. Britney was very adamant when she began recording for this album that she wanted an older generation to pick up on it, and that she had to change it up and just pray that people think it's cool. She decided to really hunker down and exercise her songwriting skills, which is why she ended up self-titling the album, because it really was her wearing her heart on her sleeve and expressing the true feelings of a then 19-year-old, you know, not a girl, not yet a woman. Pun intended. <laughs> it's just more me and it feels good. I'm singing the kind of songs that I like and, you know, I think it's more hip-hop and R&B oriented and it just, you know, it just feels good. Um, you know what? It just kind of... There wasn't any resistance. I don't think so. I just went into the studio and I just vibed it out and just did what I feel, felt. You know? And I think if you do that and it just comes from your heart, you can never lose. Unfortunately, America being America, it seemed that all of the media was focused on was Britney's image and her more provocative clothing, for the time at least. If she wore the clothes she wore then now, people would even blink an eyelash. You see all the girls of today wearing literally nothing on Instagram, but Britney and her fun, creative outfits was an issue. I'll never understand it. I just have really cool uh, makeup and hair people. I have really good styles. I've been with them for a while now. And they know me, and I know them, and, you know, they'll get me a rack of clothes and whatever I'm feeling that day, I'll pull it out and I'll wear it, you know? So it's not like this, you know, thing that we go through. It's actually kind of simple. Because everyone has a sort of perception, if someone's, like, really famous, that they're a product and that they don't have any influence on things. Um, what would you say to protect yourself? You know, I to... think that's so sad that people mm. say that because, you know, we get inspired just like everybody else. And that's the funnest part about what I do is that I can be inspired to make up new, Im- make up new clothes and to have new designs. That's a part of what I do, and that's why we are looked up to because people follow that. So why do they have misconception that people tell us? You know, I think it's kind of funny. Do you ever find it baffling that people do look at you and that you've made it, like, it's famous? It's bizarre. It's very, you know, because I see myself as Brittany from Kentwood, Louisiana. All, you know, and it's very um, overwhelming sometimes that people look at you in that light. You know, it's very um, flattering. Yeah. Brittany was just having fun expressing herself and frankly did not even care to focus on the conservative parents of America. She was just Britney, and I'm so thankful for that. The album had six songs overall and some were released only in specific territories, but all of them holding special significance. Something to point out before getting into the singles, none of the singles performed well in the USA, which is very surprising because the album itself was a monster seller in the country. There are a lot of conspiracy theories as to why this happened, but the main consensus is that there's seems to have been a radio ban put on Britney's music around this time in the USA. As Clear Channel Entertainment, who handled Britney's previous concert tours and owned most radio stations, was outbid by Concerts West in promoting her Dream Within a Dream tour, it is alleged that a radio boycott ensued after Britney chose the latter for promoting the tour, which in turn affected the era's chart success in the US. Concerts West had connections to movie theaters, and with the release of Crossroads coming up, her team believed that that would be the better option. But the issue was that at this time, radio held a lot of power in the music industry and the success of singles on the chart pre-streaming era, that's why none of the singles did well in the USA, which is insane because the singles from this album are some of Britney's most legendary. But that being said, let's get into the singles, y'all. I'm a slave for you, overprotected, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, I love rock and roll, boys, and anticipating are the fabulous six singles that were released from this album. So let's get into it. Get into it, yeah. (laughs) Doja Cat reference. 
The first single released from the album was I'm a Slave for You, the legendary lead single from the Britney album. It was written by production duo The Neptunes, consisting of Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams, and it was released to radio and retail on September 25th, 2001. The song was the catalyst for a sexier and more sultry image for the diva and definitely got people talking, which is something that Britney has been doing since the minute she stepped onto the scene. The song itself, along with the song Boys, was actually written for another pop icon, Miss Janet Jackson, and she actually recorded the songs as well before they ever even got to Britney. If you guys listened to my Janet Jackson All For You episode last season, you'll know that the songs were originally intended for that album, but ended up on the cutting room floor and ended up in the hands of Miss Spears. After reading the lyrics for the first time, Britney stated that it talks about me just wanting to go out and forget who I am and dance and have a good time. That's kind of where I am right now. I love working, but at the same time, I love having a good time. Well, the name of the single is I'm a Slave for You. The Neptune, the Neptunes, they wrote and they produced it. And um, it's just, you know, it's very different from any other song that I've ever done, I think, personally. And it's just the type of song that when you hear it on the radio, it's got a really good groove to it and you just want to, you know, you just want to dance. And um, I like it. It's really definitely different for me. But, you know, this is the kind of music that I'm listening to right now. So that's kind of the direction that my music is going towards. So I hope people like it. It's cool. The song is a dance and R&B song, and definitely Britney in her urban contemporary bag with breathy vocals. It really screams Janet, y'all. The music video is one of Britney's most iconic videos. It was directed by Frances Lawrence, and it was shot on September 1st and 2nd, 2001, on the same day and location as Shakira's Whenever, Wherever video. Fun fact. Shakira. I think she's amazing. I met her like two weeks ago because she was in the same soundstage as I was. And she was so beautiful and so sweet. And I've listened to her music and she is amazing. You would not think that voice would come out of this beautiful being, you know. And um, it's I would love to do something with her because she dances as well. And so I think it would be cool. Wade Robson and Brian Friedman choreographed the song, and that choreography has since become one of the most recognizable choreographed dance routines in pop music history. Well, I just saw a rough cut of the video um, before I came here, and it's really different. It's um, very sensual, I must say. But um, I don't know, it's, it's really capturing me in a different light, in a light I've never been seen before. And that's why I like it so much. And um, it's the whole concept is just about me going to a club and wanting to have a good time and just losing who I am and forgetting about the world and just letting go and expressing myself and just dancing. And um, so it's cool. And I think we all have those moments where we want to do that, (laughs) you know. So I think a lot of people will hopefully be able to relate to the video. It's just me growing up and trying new things, really. Yeah, just trying to do different stuff. Yeah, because I would get bored doing the same kind of music all the time. You know, I just want to bring it to the next level, see what we do. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, already? Yeah, I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying, oh, trying, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Damn, me, me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like, bro. Me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know. We play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit. Sir. 
Francis Lawrence wanted the video to be beyond the sleek nightclub vibes of LA or New York, and rather wanted to showcase the grittier, dirtier dance club scenes of Asian and European clubs. He wanted it to be more global, stating, I came up with this concept of having this club be in this abandoned Asian bathhouse and having it be filled with young world travelers, the kind of people who would go to these far exotic places to go to a place like this. Britney and her dancers are dancing pretty much the entire time until they are sweaty and dehydrated. It's hot, it's steamy, it's sexy. It's Britney, bitch. Actually, I wasn't the the scene in um, the video, the very end scene in the video on Slave, where the guy looks in my face. I didn't know he was going to do that. <laughs> Did he so, know? probably so. So he and I was like, oh, okay, cut, because we were only going to do it one time. The dancers had all their choreography mapped out with what they were going to do this breathing thing, but. I didn't know I was going to be in the park with the car. I was supposed to be living and doing my own thing, right? So then afterwards, I was like, okay, we're done. Let's go. Okay. So we left, and the, the director said, Francis, he was like, well, look, what we'll do is we'll use it if it looks really good. If you don't like it, we won't use it. And so we had two cuts of it, and um, I don't want to use it. And then finally I saw it, and I was like, you know what? This video is probably one of the most central videos I've ever done. And I thought it was a reflection of the video, and I thought the build-up for it was tastefully done, and I liked it. What made you uncomfortable with it in the first place? Like, I just couldn't say, I don't know, it was just a little awkward, but like, you know, just having someone lick your face, okay, yeah. hi. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, man. You know, so yeah, so it was a little awkward at first, but then, you know, after, you know, I saw it, and it was like a mini-movie, you know, and after I saw it, I was like, that's cool, I liked it. I'd record a song or something, um, and we'd come up with, you know, it's time to do a video. Most of the time I come up with the concepts for the video, and they'll get treatments and they'll come in and, you know, it just works like that. Right. The only time that I was like, ooh, I don't know if I wanted it, was for the slave video. That's the only time. But other than that, I'm the one that they're like, take that off. So we, gotta, <laughs> we, we need to put you in something a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> Not that I'm like, you know, like scandals or anything. No, but sometimes they try to, you know, dress me. Britney was always very tasteful with her sensuality, and there's definitely a line between sexy and trashy, but I truly believe that she just never crossed that line. While the music video is obviously legendary, it is the live performances for this song that have truly cemented its legacy in pop music. I don't have to tell you guys this, but you all know, Britney performed this track at the 2001 MTV Video Music Awards and gave the most iconic performance in MTV history. I dare anyone to fight me on it. That is not an opinion. It is a fact. <laughs> Britney performed with a live albino Burmese python on her shoulders and created a historic pop culture moment. Well, really, I, I, I was really nervous at first because I'm not very fond of snakes. I had this visual, this vision, you know, of what the whole performance would be like with animals. It just made sense. But then when I actually got there, I was like, have I lost my mind? What am I doing? What am I doing with a snake? But once I got in performance mode and I started doing it, you know, it was totally fine. And as far as the snakes go and the animals and stuff, they were in top care. I mean, they had more security with them than the whole place, <laughs> you know? So as far as the animal rights go and stuff, they were in top condition and in top care. She also performed the song on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, TRL, The Late Show with David Letterman, and the 2001 Billboard Music Awards, where she performed on a stage inside the fountains of the Bellagio Hotel. Many critics at the time were harshly critical of Britney and her new sexy image, 
But if you ask me, at that time they were just feeding on everything. Britney paved the way for these girls today to be able to express themselves sexually through music and art, and honestly, it wasn't even that risque. But middle America will find an issue with every little thing. The Parents Association of America also urged people to boycott Britney and criticized her for being an irresponsible and bad role model to young girls all over the country, with even the wife of Governor Bob Elric claiming at a live press conference, if I had the chance to shoot Britney Spears, I would. Disgusting, and in the words of Miss Spears, she probably needs to get laid. Regardless of the criticism, she was also praised for her performance and creativity, with many comparing her likeness to that of Prince and Janet Jackson. Billboard in 2013, stating that the video and song itself were groundbreaking, daring, and artistically creative. The song did well in the worldwide charts, reaching number two in Portugal, number three in Germany and Norway, number four in the UK, Belgium, Italy, and Scotland, number eight in Canada, among others. In the USA, however, it only reached number 27, which is largely due to that radio band which I spoke on a little earlier. The song was nominated for three MTV Video Music Awards in 2002, Best Female Video, Best Dance Video, and Best Choreography, and is now considered to be one of the most important songs released in the 2000s decade. Britney, you did that, girl. The second single released from the album was I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. It was released as the second official single on January 7th, 2002, and it was also the theme song to Britney's first ever movie, Crossroads. So the single release was coinciding with the release of the film that February. Um, right, I just did my first film like three or four months ago, and I'm already antsing to, you know, do another one. Yeah, it's about three girls, and um, they're journeying in finding themselves and... Um, Find getting their relationship back. They they were once really best friends when they were younger, and they drifted apart. And just really finding what they want out of life. And there's a love story involved too. But it's a really heartfelt movie. And the whole moral of the whole story is just girls should stick together at the end of the day. You know, your friends. When your boyfriend breaks up with you, you know, at the end of the day, who do you call? Your girlfriend, you know, and it's just, it's a cool movie. Written by Max Martin, Rami, and Dido, the song is a pop and soft rock ballad about a young girl who's in between stages of her life, transitioning into young adulthood. At the time of the release, Britney stated that it was her favorite song to perform from the album and the song she connects to the most. When asked about Dido, Britney has this to say. The song is called Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman, and Max Martin, he was writing the song, and I just thought it would be more appropriate for a woman to come in and to collaborate with him because, you know, it's talking about woman issues and she would be able to feel the song more. And so that's how she came about in writing the song. Are you a real fan of her? Oh, gosh, yes. I love her. She's amazing. She's really good. It's you know what? The song, I think, was really kind of for Lucy in the movie. But I can relate to that to a certain extent. Um, I think that, you know, a woman, I've said this before, is someone who has all the wisdom that she needs and has lived her life to the fullest, and I think that I'm trying to get there, you know? I think it'll be a while, but I'm getting there, you know? The song received rave reviews from critics. New York Daily News writer Catherine Hallaby called it a well-executed ballad, and Nikki Tranker of Pop Matters considered the song Britney's standout statement on the Britney album, a power ballad that allows the singer to showcase her expert vocals while still adhering to the rules of safe pop. The music video for the song was directed by Wayne Isham and was shot on location in Arizona and Utah on August 16th and 17th, 2001. Every single scene was shot in real location, 
no green screens were used. And if you see the video, you know that those are some intense locations to be shooting a video. It made for a breathtaking visual. Brittany is standing on the edge of a cliff in some scenes and inside a slot canyon and even performed some of the scenes without a safety cable. According to Isham, heavy winds literally almost dropped her over the cliff. Brittany being the fearless performer that she is and professional that she is, she went for it. Even stating that Brittany had not a blink of fear during the shoot. Some versions of the video clip also include shots and interpolations from the actual movie Crossroads. Due to the US radio ban, the song did not chart on the Billboard Hot 100, but it did chart well worldwide. It peaked at number two in both Scotland and the UK, number three in Austria and Ireland, number seven in Australia, number nine in the Netherlands, and number 10 in Germany. The third single released from the album in North America and second in Europe on April 1st, 2002, Overprotected. It got two versions, the original album version and then the Dark Child remix version, both of which got music videos, both iconic. The song was written by Max Martin and Rami and is a dance pop song with the remix opting for a more R&B dance vibe. The song is about a girl who is tired of being so protected and just wants to live her own life freely and authentically without the outside input from those close to her. Sounds weirdly parallel to Britney's real life. Am I right? What am I to do to win my yeah. life? What, what, do you, what do you do to win your life? How do you get control of your own life? And, you know, because you, you just, are a part of this huge... Well, you just... That's why I am where I am today is because I do have control, you know? And you just you just control what you do you know you have to otherwise you get sucked in by people that are not necessary the song received a grammy nomination for best female pop vocal performance at the 2003 grammy awards she lost to Nora jones don't know why but she still got that nomination there were two videos shot for the song the album version was directed by billy woodruff and the remix video was directed by chris applebaum now the remix video directly references jenna jackson's son of a gun video in the scenes in the elevator as well as the scenes where her and her dancers are walking down the hotel lobby both videos were shot in Los Angeles at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel. So Britney is literally a baby Janet. I say this all the time. Britney has lent so much from Janet's work into hers. And I love the parallels between the two. And they're two of my favorite artists. So, I mean, listen, it doesn't get any better than that. Me and Bridget actually talk a lot about this video later in the episode as well. So stay tuned. The song was notably used in the closing scene of the movie Crossroads, where Britney performs a song at the Side Records recording contest. Oh, so amazing. The song charted in America, but only at number 86, again, due to the radio ban, but it still got some recognition. Worldwide, it reached number one in Poland, number two in Sweden, number four in the UK, number six in Greece and Scotland, nine in Italy, and number 22 in my homeland of Canada. I just wanted to take a moment, you guys, to let you know of this amazing small business that I have been working with. They go by the name of Jaden Collections. They are a company of accessories, t-shirts, jewelry, masks, all fun little trinkets that we need to kind of liven up our days. You can check them out on their Instagram at Jaden Collections Jewelry. If you guys want to get anything from their shop, just use the code PLANET2000s at your checkout and you will be sure to get a 20% discount for a working mama small business with two kids who is just doing her thing and rocking it. She's doing so well, you guys. So you definitely want to become a part of this. Instagram at Jaden Collections Jewelry and go to their website, www.jadencollections.com. Again, you can use the code PLANET2000s at checkout. All right, back to the podcast. The fourth single released from the album was I Love Rock and Roll. 
It was released as a single in Europe only on May 27, 2002, with a music video directed by Chris Applebaum. It is a cover of the iconic rock song by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, with production being done by Rodney Jerkins, opting for a pop rock feel. The song was also used in her movie Crossroads in the karaoke bar scene, and Britney said of the song, they asked me to sing karaoke in the movie Crossroads, and I've actually sung I Love Rock and Roll in a lot of clubs that I've been to. The music video shows Britney with her own band in a black leather rock and roll outfit, and starts in black and white until switching over to color. Stringy hair Britney forever, by the way. And me and Bridget talk about how much we love stringy hair Britney as well. The song reached number 6 in Hungary, number 7 in Germany and Scotland, number 8 in Ireland, number 13 in Australia and the UK, and number 32 in Canada. Boys was released as the fifth single from the Britney album on June 24, 2002. However, it was the Boys co-ed remix featuring Pharrell Williams which was released as the single. Also coincided as one of the theme songs from the movie Austin Powers in Goldmember, starring Mike Myers and Beyonce. I was so excited. Oh my gosh, I've seen the first two films and I think he is the funniest man in the whole world so I had to you know when they asked me to do it I had to be a part of it so no it was fun it was kind of hard though to keep him character the whole time because I'm trying to be the sexy vixen and being all you know superstar and he's just like pelvising and dancing full out and he's just cracking me up but it was it was a lot of fun I had fun doing it did you do a lot of yeah, baby, yeah's on set? No. No. I, no, I did say, um, this is for you, Mr. Powers. I had to say that, so. Do, did you, have you, can you do a yeah, yeah, baby, yeah? <laughs> can I do yeah. it? Not like him. No, I'll, I'll leave that to him. Oh, I'll let okay. him do that. Britney also made a cameo in the opening sequence of the movie as a pop star meets fembot. Britney also did a Pepsi Twist commercial with Mike Myers as his character Austin Powers. She really was the Spawn Con queen, okay? Boys is an R&B, hip-hop, and funk song and was written and produced by the Neptunes, consisting of Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams. They are the coolest guys in the whole world. I absolutely love them. Like, when you're in the studio, a lot of people and producers, they take what they do really, really seriously. You go on with them, and they're just there to have a good time and just to do what they love. And um, that was how it felt when I was there in the studio with them. They were the nicest guys, and hopefully in the future I'll work with them again. It'll be very cool. Both versions of the song are extremely reminiscent of the work of Janet Jackson. We now know the song was actually originally written for Janet Jackson, so we hear it. The remix premiered on AOL Music on June 13, 2002, and streamed more than 1.35 million times, setting a new record on AOL First Listen. She was literally owning streaming before streaming was a thing, okay? The music video was directed by Dave Myers and follows a man by the name of DJ Quells as he tries to get into Britney's mansion party. In the party, Britney is in many different looks, with appearances by Jason Priestley, Tay Diggs, and you guessed it, Austin Powers, babe. Yeah, baby, yeah! Sorry, I tried. The video is also notable for its breakdown, the choreography, which strikes a striking resemblance to Janet Jackson's Miss You Much and Rhythm Nation choreography. It's no secret that Janet is one of Britney's biggest inspirations, and it's evident in her art. You guys, I'm going to repeat this through this whole episode, but the Britney album, it literally is like she was so inspired by the Jacksons. You can hear it. You can see it in the visuals. It's beautiful. The video was nominated for an MTV VMA for Best Video from a Film, but it did lose to Eminem's Lose Yourself. Once again, the song did not chart the Billboard Hot 100, which is insane to me, but alas, the radio band was real. Never piss off the big guys, you guys. At least back then, ladies and gents. The song did fairly well worldwide, however, reaching number 7 in the UK, Belgium, and Scotland. 
number 10 in Ireland, number 14 in Australia, and number 21 in Canada. Finally, the final single off the album, Anticipating, one of my favorite songs on the album, guys. I'll be anticipating this is a song they're playing. I wanna rock, rock with you. You're feeling this right. Let's do this tonight. Sorry, you had to hear the vocals, but I can't not sing Anticipating. The bubbly pop song was released as a single in France only on June 25th, 2002, where it reached number 38. When talking about the song, Britney has said, it's just a fun song that I wrote. It's just like being with your girlfriends and just dancing. I think this track also has a very 70s feel to it. The song received a really fun moment in the Dream Within a Dream tour where she performed in a Crayola-themed skit. And it was also used in a commercial for a Toyota Vios, which Britney starred in. Spawn Con Queen. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. The promotional train for this album and era was extensive. These years saw Britney on top of the world. Every brand wanted Britney as their face because they knew that it would sell. She kicked off 2001 with an $8 million deal with Pepsi, beginning a relationship with a brand that has lasted all the way until 2018, guys. All of these endorsement deals made Britney a household name, and her position as a role model for young girls was stressed because of it. And that is a title that Britney honestly never loved. I can't think about it like that. I just, I see myself as just like everybody else. I... If I say I was a role model, then it's kind of like putting a label on yourself. I just try to be myself and have a good time with what I do, and hopefully people see that and be inspired by me. I, I do like the death being labeled as an inspiration, you know? I would love to be an inspiration for people, not a role model, you know? Aside from providing iconic performances at the MTV VMAs, Billboard Music Awards, and numerous talk shows, Britney embarked on the most legendary tour of her career, the Dream Within a Dream Tour. The tour consisted of 69 shows across Asia and North America. While the choice to use Concert West as a promoter over Clear Channel had an obvious consequence to her charting on the Billboard charts, she got a budget that was out of this world for her tour, so it's a give and take. Her then-manager, Larry Rudolph, actually put out a statement at the time, explaining their decision, saying, and I quote, Clear Channel is an incredible company, and I'm sure we'll be doing more business with them. We went went with Concerts West because they're a strong touring company and because they have an- ancillary properties in that they own arenas and some 7,000 movie theaters throughout the country. This decision was not made to exclude Clear Channel. It was made to include Concerts West. They have the ability to help us market our core products, the album and tour, and our secondary properties, the movie, in ways that tip the scale for us. The show had a main stage and a B stage that was united by a runway. There also was a flying device constructed so Britney could fly over the audience and move from stages A to B in the air. It truly was revolutionary, and to this day, is considered to be one of the most theatrical shows in pop music history. The tour was broadcasted live on HBO in November 2001, branded as Britney Spears Live from Las Vegas. Foreshadowing of her future title of the Queen of Vegas, by the way. Um, you know what? I think it's definitely the first show, first tour that I've done that has so many different aspects to it. It's just really, like, for the eye, it's very, you know, catchy. And you, um... I don't know, I had a lot of fun doing it. Me and Wade, the director, we got together and we came up with all these different sets we could do just so it would be very cool for the person to watch. I come from the theater, from Off-Broadway, so I'm very theatrical like that, you know? So if, if I want to listen to, you know, somebody sing, I'll go buy, that, buy their CD, but if I want to see somebody perform, I like to really entertain people. So that's what this show, that's what the HBO special is about. 
Brittany had donated a dollar of every ticket to the children of firefighters and police officers killed during the September 11 attacks. And she also sold merchandise and auctioned front row seats to help raise money for the victims. Well, actually, we're doing um, a song with Bono. There's a lot of artists that are coming together. It's for a charity, and we're doing that. And it's really weird because we were doing that before even any of this happened. And um, which I think is very cool. And I think for my tour, that um, every show that I'm going to end up be end up doing, I think this um, coming up tour that I'm about to do, we're going to put a lot of the proceeds to the victims that were hurt, you know, during the tragedy that happened. So the name of the tour was based off of Edgar Allan Poe's poem of the same name, with the main tour direction and choreography being done by Wade Robson. Now, obviously, we all know who Wade Robson is. Wade Robson was Britney's choreographer. He was working with NSYNC, Justin Timberlake's best friend. And we know that Britney had some sort of something with him while she was dating Justin. I don't really want to harp on it too much, but, you know, I guess I should point it out just for those listening who may not know. There was a pretty big drama about the events that happened in Mexico during the tour. Britney flipped off the paparazzi and it was blasted all over the papers. To make matters worse, her second show was cancelled mid-show due to a rainstorm, but the crowd was not happy, screaming, fraud, fraud in Spanish, and a slew of bad press ensued, and it was also around the time that she and Justin Timberlake broke up, which is not something I want to harp on, honestly. The press was relentless, and having lived through that time and seen the effects of it, I do feel like it was important to at least mention. Honestly, like, what did people want from her to keep the show going and put her fans in danger. We all saw what just happened this weekend with Travis Scott and the Astroworld Festival and all the people who were dying because the show wasn't stopped because it was too crazy in the crowd. So, you know, at the end of the day, the artist has to make a decision for the greater good of the audience. And Britney didn't want to put her fans or her dancers or anyone in danger when a whole outdoor rainstorm is happening and you're doing an outdoor show. It can be really dangerous. So they just wanted to harp on anything back in that time to make her look bad. And it's pretty sad. The media was relentless and they were disgusting back then. Having said that, the tour was still a great success, having grossed over $81.3 million after conversion in 2021 dollars, and that's a massive success. I love what I do, (laughs) you know? Honestly, I love what I do, and that's what keeps me going. I love getting on stage at night and performing my heart out. I love, I live to, you know, go on a set and, you know, be a character and tell a story to somebody. That's what I love, Mm -hmm. and, um... So that's what drives me. When it comes to album reviews for the Britney album, the critics were mixed, as they always were in those times. I just read all these essays this week on how amazing this album is from a lot of the same publications, so it shows that the negative reviews back then really were just trying to be sleazy and controversial. Alas, here are some of the reviews that I liked. <laughs> all Music's Stephen Thomas Irwin gave it a positive review, feeling that the album strives to deepen Britney's persona and proves she will know what to do when the teen pop phenomenon of 99 to 2001 passes for good. Billboard commented that the project was a nicely varied, wholly satisfying collection. One review that I do have to point out that made me cringe that wasn't good was Sal Sinkamani of Slap Magazine calling Britney a cock tease. She was 19 years old and she was just having fun. How is she a cock tease? You're sick. The album was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album at the 2003 Grammy Awards, as well as Female Album of the Year at the Billboard Music Awards. In total in this era, Britney earned four MTV VMA nominations and two Grammy nominations. She should have won, but the politics, darling, back then, they never wanted the popular person to win, darling. It is what it is. She still sold those albums. Commercially, the album was a smash hit. In the USA, it debuted at the number one spot on the Billboard 200, with sales of 745,750 copies, making Britney the first woman to ever have her first three albums debut at the top spot on the Billboard charts. She also held the second highest opening sales of 2001, only behind NSYNC Celebrity. To this day, Britney has sold 4.4 million copies in the USA of this album, and is certified four times platinum in the country. The album is also certified three times platinum in Canada, two times platinum in Australia and Switzerland, and has received platinum certification 
nations in Argentina, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Japan, Mexico, Netherlands, South Africa, and the UK. It reached number one in Austria, Canada, Germany, Israel, South Korea, Switzerland, and the USA. And worldwide, it has sold over 10 million copies. Britney at this point had become a pop culture icon. And she knew it. She was following the landscape that was set by other pop acts like Madonna. And when asked about what she has learned from her peers, she said this. The thing I've learned to do is just to keep for me, to keep um, getting better at what you do and growing and never become like at a stagnant place. You know what I mean? There's always more to learn and more to do and more to, you know, I mean, who knows? Five Five years from now, I may be a director. You know, I mean, I want to learn everything about the business, you know, and that's what I love about Madonna. She's done every little thing and she's like, you know, it's made her such, you know, such a genius. She was so eager about her art back then, and it's really so beautiful to listen to. And honestly, I hope she gets to the point where she's inspired by art again someday, because her best work came from that time. Having said all of that, guys, I'm so excited to move on to the next stage of this episode. I am joined by my friend Bridget from Little Trash 2004, and we are going to be going track by track deep dive into every song on this album. So sit back and relax, because we are about to get into it. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Planet 2000s podcast on our 20th anniversary Britney album episode, a very big episode, and I have a very special guest here today. Hey everyone, my name is Bridget, and I run the Literal Trash 2004 Instagram page. For those of you guys who, I mean, to be honest, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably gotten lost in the loop of Instagram, and you've for sure stumbled upon her page, but just another fellow Y2K pop culture lover, just like yours truly, most of us who are in this, like, world of Y2K lovers usually love the same queen and it is our girl Britney. Today we're going to be doing a track by track of the entire Britney album so I know that for me I have my own personal history with this album but I want to know yours Bridget. Yeah so this came out in 2001 so I was nine years old. I was in like the fourth grade I want to say and like every Tuesday my mom would like let me go and get like one album because that was like the day every everything came out and I remember going to like the little like record shop um, near me in Boston and I got this and I was just like so obsessed with it like I got every Britney album like the day it came out that was like probably the only one my mom like let me get like the day it came out like okay you can get it but I was just like so obsessed with this album I was obsessed with the album art um and in the middle of the artwork you can like open it and it's like all of Britney just like all in one line I remember hanging that up on my wall I was just so obsessed I feel like this was really the era that was peak Britney like performances peak Britney photo shoots her best photos came from this era everything in that album it's so nostalgic for me down to the cd that's clear with the little fairies all over it it's just oh so God, it's, it's my favorite britney like physical album yeah I love me, it. Too. me too and the design was so perfect for it and she also just looked so great she sounded so confident and you really hear it in these songs so i cannot wait to get into it with you um, so without further ado let's get started we're gonna do the 15 track itunes spotify digital deluxe version so obviously the version we had as kids on cd only had the 12 songs but you know europe and all the other territories used to get all the good ones but in the age of streaming we get them too now so <laughs> we're gonna talk about them today so let's start with number one i'm a slave for you all right Bridge, you take it away what do you think what's your what are your thoughts on this song beyond the iconicness of its being i love britney and the neptunes together i think it's like a match made in heaven so this is one of my favorite britney songs of all time 
I just think their production just works so well with Britney's like sexiness and especially in this song, like her just like go-getterness, like she's just like out there. She's there for it. And like, it's such an iconic, like just the instruments and like the, the beat is so Neptunes and it's perfect. It's perfect. And especially at this time when the Neptunes were having such a great moment in music, just because this was also around the time that they were producing a lot for Jay-Z and for No Doubt. And they were really starting to kind of branch into their own sound and people were starting to recognize what it was. Britney as well was kind of going through that, right? Like she was coming into her own, into her own little independence and she wanted something a little saucier and it was such a match made in heaven. She sounds so perfect on this song. And fun fact, this song was originally written for Janet Jackson. Well, this and Boys, the two Neptune mm-hmm. tracks that they were working with Janet and kind of relates exactly how Britney feels about Janet. You know, she's always been like, that's kind of like her, I guess her role model. The media tried to say it was Madonna, but we all know mm-hmm. it was Janet. And you hear it in these vocals like, oh my God, Janet could have totally sang the song. Yeah. And I'm a huge Janet fan as well. So I feel like Britney really is the baby Janet. And oh. you're right. Everyone tried to say like, maybe because they're both blonde or whatever, but mm-hmm. everyone tried to say, oh, she's Madonna. But like, no, she really is Janet. She's baby Janet. And then take it to the video, to the dance moves. Like that is a, that is like a Janet album era video. It's like, it really was just like, whoa, this is Britney. And got such an iconic video, the outfits. Oh my God. I remember the making the video of it. Oh and God. I was like, just, I loved making the video because I loved the behind the scenes and like what went into it. And you got to see like their personality. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite thing about making the video like with any Britney is just so you can see how goofy she is and then how she turns it on when the camera comes. Oh yeah. That's my favorite part. The camera just turns onto her and she just like can just turn it on in like two seconds. That is her natural talent is just performing. You see it. It exudes. I loved, I know exactly that making the video. This video was done by I think it was Francis Lawrence. He was doing a lot of very, very big videos at the time. I guess she wanted to do something that was a little bit different, a little bit risque and she definitely did that. The Mm. famous panties on the leather pants, darling. (laughs) That is just... It was a moment. (laughs) Such a moment. Over the Time, a lot of people have forgotten that this song wasn't actually a hit on the charts because it has such a huge cultural significance, you know, because of the VMAs and because of the video. But this song only reached number 27 on the Billboard charts. Yeah, I was like doing some research because looking at the entire album, like all the singles, I was like, why did none of these songs like chart as well as they should have? And I guess it's like a radio ban or something because um, her tour wasn't sponsored by the radio stations or whatever was once by Pepsi. So I never knew that. So that was like, yeah. to me. it's insane. And if you actually look at, um, there's a website that I go on and it kind of does the weekly radio charts, like of the history of time. And it's separate from the billboard charts. These are just the top 40. And you can see how Slave for you was starting to climb the charts and then it just fell. And then every other single off this album just didn't get a chance at radio. And this was the time when, you know, if a song wasn't big at radio, then it was not going to be a hit because it wasn't mm-hmm. like, streaming you know that was really how they counted the charts that and actual sales of the singles and if you see how much the album sold it's like okay well it sold so much so why wasn't it a hit it doesn't add up it doesn't add up and 20 years later it's probably one of her most recognizable songs and it only reached number 27 on the hot 100 that's kind of it should have been with toxicad honestly which also another one that only hit number nine and it's just like our girl's just never been on the top of the billboard hot 100 part But it's okay. The relevance is there and that's what matters. Do you have a favorite performance besides the VMAs of this track? Oh, God. Um, I love the one, I think it was the Billboard Awards um, when she was in Vegas in front of the Bellagio Fountains. Oh, my God. Incredible. 
so incredible. Everything from the jungly outfits. I know how she loved to call it a jungly themed song yeah. as we saw on Oprah. On Oprah. <laughs> but like, who does that? Performing in front of the Bellagio fountains. Like, what an icon. I love that performance as well. And just her performance on the Dream Within a Dream tour of the song, period. Like, oh, yes. So perfect. The flowy, so perfect. like, arm things. Oh, I love it. I'm just very happy that the song has gotten its respect over the years because it really has. It's respected as one of her biggest tracks and one of the totally. biggest pop songs of the decade so screw the billboard charts and choreography i think oh the most iconic choreography brian friedman did his thing with that choreography every time i'm like drunk at a bar i'll break out like the breakdown part (laughs) of course i like want to try to learn it perfectly it's just like there's a few little things in there that i just could never get i really need someone to say i need a good gay to sit and teach me complicated it's actually well because she makes it look so fucking easy that you think yeah. oh, i can do this but no it's actually <laughs> difficult this was definitely the era of the difficult choreography for britney for sure no 100 but she made it look like so easy breezy <laughs> next track probably honestly one of my favorite britney songs of all time overprotected written by max martin and rami the Britney dream team, as I can call them. This song is so incredibly relevant to Britney and her life always. It's kind of insane. I love it. I think it's like the quintessential Britney song. Yeah. It's it's like insane that it's still relevant today to her. It makes me it makes me sad, but um, but it's such like a like she's just telling them off. I love it. Yeah, and it's interesting how she was what nineteen years old when she was recording this song, and yeah. now at thirty nine, she's it's still so irrelevant to her life. It's like you said, it definitely makes me sad, but it's kind of interesting how that kind of plays out. A lot of her songs kind of were a little bit of the foreshadowing of her life, so it's al- it's almost just like a, the perfect Hollywood storm, almost. You know what I mean? It's just like right. she's thinking about all these things that ended up, unfortunately, continuing to be a reality for her. Focusing on the songs sonically and lyrically, it's the perfect song. It's so perfectly catchy in the way that a Max Martin production would be. And mm-hmm. it's a classic Britney song, but it's actually like deep lyrics that you can genuinely relate to. Yes, you can dance to it, but you can also like sit there and think about it and like, wow. And I love the choreography for this song too, both choreos. There's a there's a choreo for the remix version that has the mm-hmm. famous dance break where she does the splits. But then even just the regular version that she would perform on the Dream Within a Dream tour, this is some of my favorite choreography. And she did yes. two different videos for this. We don't get that anymore. Or even for songs that weren't even hits, like we, like there was so much work put into it that you just don't get that anymore. I don't know. At least I don't feel we don't. Yeah, I miss it. Two videos, like she really gave us everything we needed. Everything we needed. Do you have a preference of the original or the remix version? Video and song. How about that? Okay, so for the song, I do like the original more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the video, obviously, I love the Dark Child remix. Oh. I just love like the outfits in it. The dancing is incredible. The breakdown, the the rain moment. The rain moment is everything. I love the outfits more than anything in this video. Oh Those jeans, God. bro. Like, come on. <laughs> it's just like the shredded denim, like pink skirt. Oh my God, my favorite. And even like, there's a scene where I can't describe it. It's it's she's wearing the blue top that has the pink bra, and she's in the limo, and that's that kind of like yellowy checkered skirt. If I'm describing it correctly, she looks skinny as a fucking needle in the words of Brittany. (laughs) There's like a scene where she turns around and it's like, bitch, where's that waist? It's like, okay, queen. (laughs) And it's her like telling the media off again in the beginning where like she shuts the TV off when they're talking about like what she's wearing or not wearing. 
and classic Britney fashion. And you know, fun fact, this video, the the remix video, was shot in the same, I think it was the Chateau Marmont, where Janet had just shot the Son of a Gun video. Oh my God. I love yeah, that. Like, there's this, like, the scene when they're walking in the hallway. I just love any Janet and Britney juxtaposition, and you better be damned that I'm oh. bringing it up. Any Janet, oh, like, 100%. Yes. Definitely an underrated Britney song for me. I feel like People know it. People who aren't major Britney stands, they know the song and like I'll play it and they'll be like, oh, of course I know the song. But usually they know it because they saw the movie. They saw Crossroads. So anyone who's right. seen Crossroads knows the song. But I feel like it just doesn't get the love it deserves, at least not on yeah. streaming. One of I feel like real Britney stands love, love, love the song. And yeah, like you said, like just the regular Britney listener, like, okay, yeah, it's a good song. But I guess because she doesn't really perform it. She hasn't performed it since the Onyx Hotel tour. It's one of those songs that kind of have just gotten lost in the shuffle. I'm hoping that if she ever does a comeback moment in the future, whether it be in the near future or in 10, 20 years, that she like opens the show with Overprotected or My Prerogative, like one of those songs and just- Incredible, that would be incredible. Well, next track on the album, this is Britney having her rock moment and she actually gave us live vocals in 2021 of this song, Lonely. I love that it's like aggressive, angry Britney. And I love that she has a little like rap moment in it. Mess of Brit boy, you must've tripped. I love that part so much. Ooh, and you know she wrote that. Oh, oh, you know, yeah, that's such a Britney lyric. <laughs> she loves this song, I know, because everyone who saw that clip on Sam Asghari's story this summer of Britney singing it, you hear her saying, like, this was the first song I ever wrote that I was really proud of. And it's like, oh, Britney. Makes oh. So happy. And I love the performance at the Dream Within a Dream tour of this song yeah. in front of her friggin' doppelganger. Like, yeah, she's like, who is this chick? <laughs> what the fuck? What is she doing here? Perfect. <laughs> that was giving me Mariah and Bianca moments right there. <laughs> 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 like, let me kick her ass for that. It's such a good song, and it's a Dark Child production as well, so it has a little bit of that urban that Britney loves to talk about in her music. Yeah, my favorite part of the song is definitely definitely the rap, but just before the rap, the think of times, you know, when she really, like, oh, yes. sings it to us, you know? <laughs> I kind of think that this could have been a single. Oh, totally. I think it totally could have. And I right. love that it's, like, Britney's song. It's, like, at the core, it's a song about, like, resilience, and that is Britney Spears. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better myself yes. a song about resilience and that is britney spears for those of you guys who don't know the track must a must listen number four on the album another britney favorite of mine i'm gonna say that for every single song i'm not a girl not yet a woman written by max martin rami and courtin by dido very interesting the theme song to crossroads definitely the song that was being pushed the most at the time as her most personal and I feel like it really related to her at the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think as basic as the title is, I think yeah. it needed to be said. Like everyone like she was like 19, 20, and everyone's like, oh my God, like she should still be the 15, 16 year old girl. Like, no, she's a woman now. So it needed to be said. And it's interesting that people were saying that because I feel like there was always this weird juxtaposition for Britney in the early early days of her career. It was like okay, let's treat her like she's an adult sex pot. If you look at all the interviews and the questions that people were asking her, like about her virginity and about things like that at such a young age, but yet they want to pretend afterwards like, oh, but you were so young and so innocent, but it's just like you weren't treating her that way. And I always mm -hmm. thought that there was always a really interesting way that the media looked at Britney, which was very different than every other pop artist. Yes, other female artists got 
a lot of backlash for different things, but none quite like Britney. I feel like in this song, it's kind of her just saying like, listen, I'm not a little girl anymore, so I am a grown up, but I'm still figuring it out. I'm still making mistakes. Everyone's eyes are on you. That must have been the craziest amount of pressure for such a young girl at that time. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, they... She came out just being herself and they're like, oh, you're, you're the sexy thing. And then when she actually starts to be a sexy grown woman, they're like, you can't be that anymore. It's kind of the never ending story of Britney. It's like, do you, what, what else do you want from her? People always want something more from her. I don't know what it yeah, is yeah. about her, but the song was obviously the theme song for Crossroads. And anybody who's seen the movie and seen the video recognizes all the scenes that they recreated. I love it. I think it shows honestly, like how fearless she is, like sitting at the edge of a cliff. Like what the fuck? Like I could never do that could never i in the making the video to this song because obviously there's a making the video for all of britney's iconic tracks you see she was really there she was really yeah. there they were having they were i think they i guess they drove her up there but like she was standing on that cliff like it was nothing and i'm like girl i can't even sit on my friend's 27th floor balcony nevertheless <laughs> <laughs> the cliff right. of california you know what i mean hill I, I don't know how she did it but yeah it was so beautiful in that video and with the outfit. Oh, I know. It's like, it's still the essence of Britney, but it's a little stripped down. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And all the little close up shots that they have of her face, it's almost like it's pure Britney. It's so beautiful. And it does fit the song really well. I can hear the Dido like in it. Like, I can like understand how she wrote that. And I read that it was supposed to be like darker lyrics. But then Dido took it out because it's like Britney Spears song. But I kind of want to know like what the actual lyrics were that Dido wrote. Well, I feel like she probably would have written it for herself originally because that's usually how an artist gets on a co-write like this. So I feel like she probably wrote it for herself. Maybe, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of um, Hilary Duff's song, Come Clean, but Cara Diaguardi wrote the song, Come Clean, for herself originally. Or even if it wasn't for herself, she just written it. It wasn't with Hilary in mind. And it was actually about her her losing her virginity, like her as in Kara. And she had completely changed around the lyrics when they heard that it was going to be given to Hillary to make it more appropriate. So they probably did something similar. Britney was already kind of singing sexual things at this point. So I don't really know what they would have, what they would have cut back, but it's a beautiful song and I hear the Dido in it for sure. I always was puzzled. I mean, I guess there was the radio band, but like it really didn't even chart. Like it didn't even hit the Hot 100 at all. Yet in the UK, it hit number two. In Scotland, it hit number two. And Italy number you know what I mean it was a top 10 yeah. hit worldwide hit but just not in America Strange. it makes no sense to me and I feel like this is a song people know like people know oh, I'm not a girl not a woman but I it's one of my favorite Britney songs and I hope that it does get revived one day she hasn't performed it since 2002 oh wow not yeah. within a dream tour I have I mean except for the two seconds that she's saying it during the James during the Jimmy Fallon um thing that she <laughs> <you know. laughs> <laughs> try to forget about that <laughs> so we try to forget about that entire year in Britney's life if we're gonna be honest but anyway I digress number five another Neptune's track song written for Janet that I totally hear Janet singing boys another song that had two versions I love boys I love it so much it got can be like a prince feel kind of like a prince oh. vibe and I remember like watching TRL back in the day and Britney was like kind of previewing some songs and she previewed this one and she like she was dancing and like Carson Daly was trying to ask her a question like she just kept dancing so I think it's like one of Britney's favorites oh um, and cool. I love it I think it's such a cool song it's definitely one of Britney's favorites the girl performs it on every tour like she's not <laughs> Mr. Core <laughs> so I'm not doing the tour unless I sing boys pretty much 
I mean, listen, the track is amazing. We're just talking the original version. That beat is nasty. Like, that is a craziest beat. You hear that and you just want to dance. But I also love the remix that was in Austin Powers. I love, like, the back and forth that she has with Pharrell in the remix. And it was captured so well in that video, too. So perfect. (laughs) But I think that the scene in Austin Powers with the original song is probably my favorite moment with the song. Just because the Austin Powers and Goldmember movie is literally my favorite movie of all time. And it just happens to have a cameo by Britney Spears in it. Like literally just a pure coincidence. Iconic. Where she friggin has the little bullets come out of her titties and she's just killing them all. Explain your iconic without explaining your iconic. You have two seconds in the new Austin Powers movie. (laughs) And I love in the video when she's with Austin Powers. So cute. I think she's so good at like playing the line on like promoting something, but also like being herself and having fun with it. Oh yeah. Uh, Have you ever seen the Pepsi twist commercial? Oh my God, I love it. It's so funny. (laughs) Why won't this come off? (laughs) Mr. Powers, look, there's Britney Spears drinking a Pepsi. Oops, I did it again. (laughs) That's not a Pepsi. It's a Pepsi twist, man. And that's not Britney Spears. It's a man, baby. Austin, it's me! I want this wig! Come! Fair enough. Pepsi Twist and Diet Pepsi Twist, a twist on a great thing, baby. Austin, it's me! So good. I actually did a project in school. We had a project in our, I think it was our audio class, and he wanted us to take any commercial and strip the audio of it and have and we were in partners and have us do the audio for it. So me and my friend did the Britney and Austin Powers thing. It was obviously my suggestion, but we got the highest mark in the class because everyone fucking loved it. That is amazing. Oh my God. Another one that I guess didn't chart because of the radio ban in America, but in terms of worldwide, it still did relatively well. It hit number seven in the UK, so it was a top 10 hit there. It hit number seven in Belgium. It hit number 10 in Ireland. So in Europe, it was still a very big hit. In Canada, my homeland, it was number 21. I remember the video being aired on Much Music quite a bit, but I actually don't remember this being played on the radio that's something that i will point out i never heard it on the radio yeah, yeah me either i remember like trl and the, watching the video but yeah never the radio mtv really had our girl back then eh like they really 100 oh, percent. if you want to think about the power of mtv back then and i guess people don't know really how powerful mtv really was because it's irrelevant now just look at britney spears and her career she did not have the support of radio she had the support of mtv and that's why she's so legendary oh totally yeah she brought in like the ratings for mtv like Britney Spears, hands down. Hands down. And we now get to enjoy all the fruits of their labor back in the day, such as MTV Diary, which this MTV Diary for this era was the fucking best. But that's oh, the best. All right. Number six on this album, a favorite of mine. It's a fun song. It's carefree, anticipating, written by Britney herself. It's one of the songs that she co-wrote. I'll start with my thoughts on it. I think that this is just such a fun song. It's classic. Y2K pop. This is S Club. This is Spice Girls. This is Aqua. This is like that. I just want to frolic through a fucking field and have rainbows shitting out of my ass when I hear this song. She performed it so well at the Dream Within a Dream tour. Yep, one of my favorite Britney songs of all time. Ooh. I wish she would do like more disco because this has like a little disco vibe and I'm obsessed with it. And it reminds me also of um, All For You Janet, just kind oh, of yes. the vibe of it. 
Uh, I just, oh, I love it. And I wish, like, I know the Dream Within a Dream tour was, like, incredible for this moment. Like, it got, it got its own little moment, but I wish we got a video for it, like a roller skating type of thing. This is definitely on my, I have a roller skating playlist, actually. Just <laughs> Oh, my skating. God. Need to fun. It's, <laughs> you know what? I will send it to you, actually. It has, like, um, Do It To It by Cherish and A Public Affair by Jessica Simpson. But <laughs> this is definitely a big one that's on that playlist. It's just so feel good. You can't hear this song and be in a pissed off mood. You hear this and you're just like... Like, yo, this is, I just want to frolic, bro. Like, I just want to frolic. You have to dance. It's so good. And eat some Skittles. Yes. (laughs) I don't know why, but the beat makes you want to eat some Skittles. It's so fun. And I love what you said about it being like an all for you Janet moment. It totally is an all for you Janet moment. It's just fun pop. It's what pop should be. It's just fun Don't have to think about it. Carefree. Yeah. Another carefree moment is the next track on this album. Britney, at least in the early days of her career, always covered some type of classic. On the first album, she covered The Beat Goes On by Saudi and Cher. Second album, she covers Satisfaction by Rolling Stones. And for this album, she covers I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. This is going to be a controversial opinion for non-Britney fans, but I don't really care what y'all say. This is Britney's song. Sorry. Oh, yeah. 100%. It really is. This is Britney's song. There's a reason it has, like, so many streams on Spotify, and she performed it in Vegas on the guitar. Fucking iconic. So... It is her song. The big, huge guitar in Vegas. (laughs) So fucking perfect. Although a lot of people do point out that it was very similar or if not the same guitar that she performed on in the femme fatale tour for burning up yes. Yes. good for her you know reuse and recycle <laughs> you know i would say that but something tells me it was more jamie spears just cheaping out if you want me to be yeah. honest and then i heard that like he kept it in his house in kentwood or something like what well i would well he's probably now about to bond that shit because he lost oh. his biggest job thank god yeah. By the way, by the way, by the way, something to celebrate. Britney's dad is officially off the conservatorship and we're going to find out if the conservatorship is done. So this is a very big month in Britney world. And so, you know, prayers for our girl. Just have to point that out. But back to the song. It was a Dark Child production. He actually produced Britney's vocals on it. This song, even though it wasn't an official single, it still got a single release in specific territories, and it got a whole video and a whole Crossroads moment where they're at the karaoke bar. So she really, you know, has been writing I Love Rock and Roll. This was a, this is definitely a song that she has been writing, definitely. I love the official video for it. Like when she's on the motorcycle and she has like that leather two-piece on, I love it. She's like so sexy. I love like a sexy rock chick pop star moment. Oh, Yeah. Oh, so this is one of my favorites. And her hair is so amazing in it. This is like the beginning of stringy hair, Brittany, I think. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite hair. I, I love when her hair like it looks a little greasy. Oh, and, and like she hasn't showered in about a week, huh? Oh, so yeah, good. I love it. I love stringy hair, Brittany. I feel like that's when she can really just dance the best and twirl it the best. And then it just looks a little dirty. It's so perfect. Have you ever yeah. seen the photos that have come out by the director, Chris Applebaum? They're kind of like Polaroids of Brittany while she was doing this video. Oh, yes. Oh, so good, you guys. I'm going to post it on my Instagram for when this episode comes out so you guys can just revel in the perfectness. So fucking gorgeous gorgeous i love her like when the confetti comes and she's just like on the floor dancing there's nothing i love more than when britney rides around on the fucking floor that's like (laughs) yes over the years she has given us so many floor moments and this is one of the top 
tier ones <laughs> for sure. It comes natural to her. <laughs> it comes natural to her, and yeah, she did the song justice. Honestly, I don't really know if, if Joan Jett has an opinion on Britney's version of the song because I've never actually heard her say anything about it. But I'm assuming that she loves it because she really took this song to a whole new generation. Because I know when I first heard this song, I was very young. I was six years old when this album came out, but I had no idea that this was a cover. I thought this was Britney Spears' song, and I only found out it was a cover when I saw the original version in the Charlie's Angels movie, the second one. <laughs> yeah, I never, like, cared about the original. Like, this is, I know it because of Britney. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way that it should. She's educating the youth. She's just literally changing laws, changing the world. <laughs> Number eight on the album, and I think my favorite song on the album, so... You know that it's a top three Britney song for me. Cinderella, another song that she co-wrote and co-wrote with Max Martin and Rami. So literally the perfect writing team. You have the pop genius of Max Martin and then the goddess of Britney Spears writing a song about leaving what seems to be an abusive relationship. It seems to be like a kind of like a PG version of that in the lyrics of this song that can go on forever. One of my favorites. I remember the first moment I heard this song when I was like nine and I was just like, obsessed like it just takes you to like another world kind of like a dark fantasy type of deal it's like angry britney dramatic dark britney and i love that it's like this dark kind of essence but it's called cinderella and like she's like known as like a pop star like disney princess but this is the moment where she kind of like turns i think it's a perfect song it is and Kind of perfect in the sense where like a Cinderella, it's like she had her wicked stepsisters and she had her stepmother and she kind of was like there at their beck and call. And I think that that's such a clever comparison to say like, I was your Cinderella. I think that it fits so perfectly with the music too, because it's such a fun pop song, but yet it's a little bit dark in the lyrics, which is something that Britney's a fucking master at. If you just look at Lucky, do you know what I mean? Like kind of conveying a dark message through a really light tone but i love the lyrics of this song and i love the fact that she co-wrote the song because as a kid i didn't really realize what song she co-wrote so this was always just one of my favorites but to be an adult now and realize that this is one of the songs that she wrote it just makes it that much more special to me i'm gonna read the lyrics of the bridge just because i think that it's so perfect in the mind of a 19 year old to be saying but it just fits so well she says i used to say i want you you cast me in your spell i did everything you wanted me to but now I shall break free from your lies. I won't be blind. You see my love. It can't be sacrificed. I won't return to thee. And it kind of has that storybook way, the way that she's kind of conveying it. It kind of has that storybook way. Like she's telling us a story, telling us a fairy tale, which is Brittany's favorite thing. You know, she loves fairy tales. And so that's another reason why I know this was her who wrote this, because the fact that she connected it to one of the most intense fairy tales of all time. It's such an intense story about leaving a very dark relationship. It just is so perfect to me. And it makes me appreciate it that much more as a fan too. Oh yeah, for sure. And also if you think about it now, like it's her also saying like part of her family, like she's not going to be that person who does everything for everyone anymore, like supporting her entire family, supporting mm-hmm. her entire management and all this stuff. Like it's kind mm-hmm. of her breaking free. Yeah, it is. And I would love to see a moment where she acknowledges yeah. this song. She recently acknowledged a brave new girl in a recent Instagram post and saying that she was looking at songs that weren't single. So I hope Cinderella gets its moment because it's truly one of my favorite songs. And then yeah. just just melodically like just as a pop song it's just so perfect too like the it's just so good gorgeous another great track on the album number nine let me be another britney co-write another song that in the vein of overprotected is kind of like let me go live my life let me just be me and let me discover things for myself 
a song that I've always turned to in my life too. Actually, this is a particular song that in certain periods uh, we won't go down that road now, but I definitely turned to this song because it's just that feeling of wanting to feel like I could just be myself without everybody coming here and judging me and having something to say. And I feel like she could relate to that today, to be honest as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like in every interview, Brittany is so respectful to everyone she, when she's like badgered with personal questions and critiques and all this stuff. And this is the song where she's like, F you, like, yep. let me live, let me be, leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. And it's only two minutes and 51 seconds, but it's such a good pop song. I think that by this point in her career, she had a pretty good knack of how to write a good pop song. Because I guess having worked with Max Martin and whatnot, she realized it's really the simplicity of the melodies. The melody is just so simple that dun, 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 it's but it's it gets stuck in your head and it fits so well with the lyrics. It's such a joy to listen to. I actually played this album for a friend recently who had never heard the album in full. She had only heard, I think she knew Slave, Not a Girl and and boys she knew those three three songs but she was listening to it in full she was like all these songs are just they make you feel so good it's like i'm not even just she's like i'm not even just saying that like i really just feel good listening to this i'm like yeah because it's enjoyable to listen to because it's actual melodies that fit so well and that's what pop music is supposed to be yeah and i think this whole album is just like every song has such a strong melody so as mm-hmm. a whole it's just so like it just it flies by because you're just having such a good time listening to it yeah, for sure. And and then also singing about empowering messages like this one. Um, number 10 on the album, Bombastic Love. Did she make up the word bombastic? Uh, literally the only time I've ever heard this word is with this song. Okay, so, because I was doing a little research and then I realized I'm like, Shaggy sometimes calls himself Mr. Bombastic. Oh, true, yeah. So I was like, okay, so is that a thing? Because I remember as a kid, I was like, what the hell does bombastic love me? I remember I asked my mom, actually. I literally remember asking my mom, I was like, what's bombastic? And she's like, it's not a word, Michael. I'm like, yes, it is. Number 10. (laughs) Brittany says it. (laughs) Brittany says it. And if Brittany says it, then it's obviously a word. This song is fun. It's fun. I feel like it could have totally been a moment. I read somewhere that it was supposed to actually be a single. It was supposed to be on the movie Crossroads, but then they decided to go with Not a Girl or something along those lines. But I mean, it could have totally had a radio moment. This is a smash, a smash hit. Oh, totally. I love this song. And I love the little like gospel section kind of in the background where it's like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Very sister act moment. Hey, Brittany was giving us gospel. She gave us Where Are You Now gospel in the second album. Album. She's giving us bombastic love on this album. She gives you a little bit of everything. I love that. A little bit of everything. One funny memory of this song, actually, that I have is I used to play the CD all the, all the time. And I don't know why I remember this, but it was this song. And I remember, I guess she was singing. I don't remember what part of the song it was, but my aunt looks at my mother and she's like, tell me, Britney Spears does not have a good voice. <laughs> And then my mom was like, eh, she's okay. And then my aunt's like, no, like she sounds so nasal. And I remember saying, stop talking about Britney. And I was like <laughs> a little, little boy. And that memory just sticks in my head. At that time, like her sound, a lot of people were like, why does she sound so nasally? But now it's like the iconic Britney sound that everyone tries to do yeah. in pop music. I love that this one's like a love story. It's kind of like a dark, like the production's dark, but it's a love story. Bombastic love. So fantastic. It's about a out of this world love it's about being head over heels obsessed with somebody it's a very fun pop song it does have a little bit of a darker production to it almost like a little bit more in the zony versus the rest of this album it's a favorite and i think that 
along with the all the songs in this album, she could have had a great moment with it. But, you know, there were so many great songs to choose from that, you know, this just fell through the cracks. Number 11, That's Where You Take Me, one of my faves. It's such like a sweet, cute song. And it's such a nice come down too from like, there's been so many like aggressive, like kind of like angrier Britney songs. So this is like a nice, like sweet little moment. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a pop, like lullaby. Oh, um, yeah. and you can definitely hear the lyrics. Like you can hear Britney's influence in it. Like when she's like, my heart, it feels so safe. You are my melody. That's where you take me. Like that's such a Britney lyric. Oh, such a Britney. You are my melody. That's the yeah. most beautiful Britney lyric I've ever heard. You just know that she <laughs> just thought of that one day and was just like thinking about Justin and just that just came out. And it sounds so authentic. And I love the little two step in the beat too. That has that like the, like right in the course it goes. Yeah. So it's. It's sort of like that. It's not really a ballad, but it's like a lullaby. But it still has like that sort of dancey tune to it, where you can she could she could have still done a full on Britney contemporary choreography moment to this song for sure. Okay. I feel like it never got any recognition. She's never performed it live. She doesn't really talk about. I never really talked about this song, but I think that it deserves a little bit of attention because she sounds so great and yeah, it's a feel good song. Like when I was younger, I was not a fan of like, quote unquote, slow songs. Like I was just like, if it's slow, I don't want it. I want to dance. But like looking back, like in the last like 10, 15 years, I'm like, these songs are so good. Like whether it be slow or not, like it's just, the song is like glittery and magical. Oh, a hundred percent. And actually speaking of the quote unquote slow songs, we're kind of now gearing into the part of the album, which is this, these are the tracks that were available in Europe and now are available for us worldwide, but these are this is the part of the album that gets a little bit ballady and gets a little bit like vocal knee. So number twelve, we have "When I Found You." For those of you who don't know, "When I Found You," it's the one that goes like it has that, <laughs> that sound at the beginning, <laughs> and kind of goes with "That's Where You Take Me" and whatnot. And it's just going back to "When I Found You." I found that piece of heaven. It's just talking about that person. It sounds a little bit like an Oops, I Did It Again leftover track. I don't know. It might actually be. I, I have to check that. But it's still a beautiful song. Did you know this song growing up? Or was this one that you knew that you learned when you were a little older? Because I know it wasn't on the North American CD. Yeah, I learned this a little older. And it always reminded me, like listening to it now, I can totally hear this song like on Circus or like oh, an yeah. older album. Like it sounds like it could be like one of those slower tracks on those albums. Mm-hmm. And listen, like I enjoy you. Yeah, I was listening to it this week, and I was like, I, could, I feel like she wrote this recently about her kids. Like, I feel like this, like, defies, like, I don't know. I feel like it's not from two thousand one, Brittany. Yeah, yeah, maybe with a little bit of different production, but the same lyrics and melody. Like, this yeah. could totally go on a twenty twenty one Britney album for sure. Number thirteen, I run away. My favorite ballad on the album there's a few ballads on this album but this one in particular is just so beautiful just because of how sad it is i almost think of it in the vein as every time it's very nostalgic her looking back on a past love that maybe went wrong or maybe she did something wrong in this particular song it's let's pretend that i've moved on And let me just pretend that I'm over this just so I can go on with life. But it's really just about running away from your feelings because you're just so devastated to deal with it. Her vocal is so raw and emotional on this track. Yeah, I feel like this is the only kind of like melancholy song on this album, but it still kind of fits the vibe. Mm -hmm. And I really love the part at the end where it's like the electronic filter kind of thing they put on her voice. Oh, yeah. I thought that was so cool because it's like, 
her vocals are really raw on this, but then they kind of like switch to electronic things. So you get the best of both worlds on this track. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you get the best of both worlds for sure. And it wasn't like an auto-tune that was used like to enhance or whatever. It was really just so that it can add an effect and a, and a drama to the song. So it was done very tastefully. Yeah, totally. And I read that this song was done by like an electronic DJ. So I thought that was super interesting. Well, she had worked with Josh Schwartz and Brian Kirill. That Those are the co-writers of this song. And they kind of did all the songs on this album that were a little bit on the more experimental side. So they did, they also did That's Where You Take Me. They did Anticipating. So the songs that had a little bit more of a different edge to it. And also the last song on the album before The Goodbye, which is like a mixture of every genre possible, you know? So they definitely, I think they brought out the best in Britney and she did a lot of writing with them as well. So I think that they really brought the best out in her, in her, not just in her writing, but also just in her vocals. Cause all the songs that she recorded with them, she sounds so beautiful. Oh yeah. Her vocals on this song are amazing. It's definitely one of my favorite Britney songs vocally at least. And it's probably one of the songs that people tell me like, Hey, what song do you have to listen to that she sounds great in? I would definitely, this would be one of the songs that I would send to them for sure. Yeah. Number 14, What It's Like To Be Me, the very controversial (laughs) What It's Like To Be Me, co-written by Justin Timberlake and Wade Robson. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. What do we think about What It's Like To Be Me? I do like this song. And I know like Justin's part is corny on this and he takes any chance he can to fucking beatbox, but... I can't. I really can't. It's just like... like, Enough, enough, Justin. (laughs) I just I don't see why he felt the need to always do that. Like everyone wants to get on Jesse Nelson for blackfishing. Justin Timberlake is the fucking original blackfish, bro. Yeah. I'm sorry. And no, everyone now is just like letting it go. It's just like every single time that he could prove that he is not some white boy from NSYNC, he went ahead to try to prove it. Anyway, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go. No, no, go off because I feel the same exact way. <laughs> I can't with him, but anyway, it's... What it's do you do, Yeah, I love that it doesn't say featuring Justin Timberlake. Like, I love that. <laughs> Don't give him the credit, please. <laughs> I feel like that was going to happen, though. You know, I, I think that was going to be a thing, and I think they just decided not to because there was already such a media circus around them that they were like, let's just separate this. And I think they didn't because the irony that it was co-written by Wayne Robson. I know. Oh, my God. I didn't know he wrote music, but then I looked back and like he wrote a lot for InSync too. And I was like, oh wow. Well, because he was their best friend. Like he was the be- like he literally was Justin's best friend. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> oh, Brittany, God bless your soul. Yeah, literally was Justin's best friend, and Justin gave him like co-writing jobs because of it. And so I think this was written in the same sessions of the songs that was written for the celebrity album for NSYNC. So I think it was all kind of around the same time. And, you know, arguably it was around the time that Britney was messing around with him. So (laughs) that's all I got to say about that. But it's a great song. And she did a great performance of it in the Dream Within a Dream tour. And that's all it ever needs to be. It doesn't really need to be performed again. I'm okay if she never acknowledges it again. But it's a great song. Yes, I, I like I enjoy listening to it. Yeah, but, you know, we don't need to give Justin Timberlake any more royalties. Enough is enough. (laughs) 
finally, the last song on this record, this iconic album, Before the Goodbye. This is such a great song. Like I was saying earlier when I was talking about I Run Away With You, the way that they just merged so many different genres and so many different sounds into the song. And it kind of has that, there's like a classic 98 to 2001 pop sound. It's kind of like, um, I can't explain it, but it's like that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like a chord, almost like a guitar, but also has like like a combination on a piano. It's just like, wow, wow. Like, I can't explain it. <laughs> I know. That's, that's really good. It reminds me of like, not leather squeaking together, but like something like that. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. You know exactly the road that I'm heading on. And any of, any of my listeners, if you guys can kind of put exactly what we're trying to say into words, please DM me because yeah. <laughs> it, it's a feeling that all songs from that era give you kind of like what Mandy Moore candy gives you or what oops gives you or things like that before the goodbye gives it to us oh totally this is such a great song it's one of my favorites and also just like the lyrics too like you know i'm always missing you before the goodbye it's like i'm always missing you before you're even gone like i just the fact that i know that you're leaving me and i know that this is gonna end i'm already missing you and we've all had that moment in our life where there's somebody that we love whether it be a relationship or a like a romantic one or a friendship or a family member anyone that's leaving for some type of situation and you already missed that person so it's it's a simple concept but you know it's fits so perfect with the song and the iconic instrumentals at the end when it just goes into a full-on ecstasy dance party it's just so fucking perfect to me like i can go on forever to like in the zone like it's a perfect ending to this album and like leads you into in the zone definitely gives a little bit of brave new girl meets the answer almost you know and our vocals are crazy on this so good like so fucking perfect as the time goes by like i love it it's one of the songs that every time i hear it i'm just like oh sorry everything has to stop i need to go in the mirror and i need to fucking go off right now (laughs) and she's like different flows in it too she's like slower flows and like what you just did like a faster kind of thing well, we acknowledge that she is a rapper when she was rapping on Lonely. So sometimes she likes to tap into it. You know, she taps into it on this song, on Lonely, on Brave New Girl, or the famous song she fucking raps on Punked with Ashton Kutcher. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? I was thinking of that. I'm Britney Spears and I'm shaking my ass, something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Britney Spears and I'm shaking my ass. I sign a thousand autographs. Please just get to the point when you talk to me. And if a favor gets involved, just rub my feet. Yeah, this business is fucked and I want some fun. I want to sit at home and watch Dumb and Dumber. Side so I take the back. I'm just tricking, you see? Because when I show my belly, everybody copies me. <laughs> God, she's such an icon. I can't. She is a lyricist. She is a rapper. She is our friend. She is Madam X. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's Britney Jean. <laughs> You can tell this was a very personal album, too. So very amply titled Britney. I'm very happy that out of at least one of her self-titled albums are her most personal. (laughs) Sips that tea. Well, that was the end of the 15 tracks. Do you have a top three from this album? Hard question, I know, but. Okay, top three. Definitely Slay For You, because it just like she went out there and told you, I am sexy and you're going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Um, anticipating because it's I love a disco vibe and that's just perfect and then I think hmm that's where you take me oh interesting I wasn't not that I mean I know you said you like the song but I actually wasn't expecting you to say that 
Yeah, I think because when I was younger, I like, didn't care too much about it. But like listening to it in the later few years, I just mm-hmm. love it so much. And I think it's so cute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I dig it. I dig it. If I had to give my top three, definitely overprotected, definitely anticipating, and definitely Cinderella. Slave for You is like right there, but it's just the others are just too good. Like I just love them too much. It's just like every song is so perfect. Yeah, every song on this is so good. And it's such a great, cohesive album. It's so cohesive. And, you know, it is my favorite Britney album. I know that's a big statement because there's such amazing ones. But just because the connection I have with this album is so deep. And out of all the albums I ever owned of Britney, I probably played this one the most in my life. Which is ironic because it has the least streams on Spotify, but I truly believe that that's just because of the radio band and it didn't get the appeal that it could have to the masses. It's really a fan album, which is hilarious because it was a number one album and it sold like 12 million copies worldwide. But that's for Britney, that's not a worldwide album. So, I mean, mean, and and you know what? It got a Grammy Award. This is a Grammy nominated album for Best Pop Vocal Album. So, snaps for Brit. And justice for the Britney album. I can't believe it's been 20 fucking years since this album came out. How old are we? I'm old. I'm elderly. Oh my God. I literally, where the fuck's my cane, bitch? Because. The fact that we're three albums into Britney's discography celebrating 20-year anniversaries, it's like, where the hell is time going? And where do you stand on the album cover? Because I know people hate it or they love it. I love the album cover. I love everything from the dash of pink that's in the background to the yellow, because I love that there was so much yellow used in the promotion for this album. I love the dingy blue background. I'm obsessed with the photo shoot from this album. The only thing I will say is... There are so many amazing photos that were taken from this album, even from this particular shoot with the mattresses. I do think there were better options for the cover, but it's one of those things, kind of like when I was picking the top three songs in the album, when there's such amazing material, there's always going to be something that you'll think could be better, could be better, because they're all so great and they all could do such a perfect job. Definitely. And I think I love the use of color in this. Like herself was kind of muted, but it was like the color. And like, I love the fairies in it, like the fairy on her, like her tattoo. I feel like it like came to life. I think it's yeah. Cool. It really did come to life in the design of this album. That's how you know that she was so involved in it. That's another reason why I don't have a single bad thing to say about this album, because I know that Britney was involved in this. Like, this was definitely a labor of love for her. And then she went on to be even more involved with albums like In The Zone and Blackout. But this was like kind of like that trifecta of Britney albums, like the threesome that really was her in the creative chair. And then obviously we all know what happened with the later albums with the conservatorship. But I feel like... This and this album in the zone and blackout are Britney in her creative chair with a creative hat on, being like, "I'm calling the shots. I'm doing this. I'm doing that." And yeah. it, it feels that way. And so everything down to the songs, to the lyrics, to the design, to the iconic videos, to the performances, to the friggin' endorsement deals. This whole album was fucking perfect. Perfect. Britney at her peak. Yeah. Britney at her peak. That's the best way to put it. Britney Spears at her peak was this album, and I really hope. For all you guys listening, which I highly doubt you guys don't know every song that we just talked about if you're listening to this damn podcast. But if for some reason you don't, make sure that you stream the hell out of it. And even if you do stream the hell out of it, because we need this needs to have more streams in the Britney Jean album. Come on, guys. What's going oh, on? Oh, please. Yes, we need we need 
Like, come on. <laughs> fucking Juno Lin and her chilling with you has more streams than yeah. that's where you take me. Like, what is going on here? It's a sin. Side note, before I end things with you, I really do want to know your thoughts on current day Britney and current day conservatorship drama, Jamie Lynn drama. Just briefly, like, I'm really curious to know, what do you think about everything that's been going on? It's a lot. I feel like every day there's like something new. Um, I'm just hoping Brittany comes out of this like stronger and she feels that she has the support behind her. And I think she does like on Instagram, I don't know what's going on on Instagram, but she's, she's always like, I love my supporters and all this stuff. So I think she knows that she has love behind her. I just hope everything turns out okay for her, honestly. And then fuck Jamie Lynn forever. So. Yeah. Do you think Jamie Lynn is like, what do you think the fuck is going on there? Because Britney's very clearly shading the fuck out of her. Come on. Oh, yeah. Like every post is something shady towards Jamie Lynn. Well, I, I, I've been, I did a little digging and I think it's because, cause you know, obviously we all know Lou Taylor. Lou Taylor was Jamie Lynn's ma- uh, business manager before even mm-hmm. the conservatorship. So I think that maybe Britney has been putting two and two together recently and finally realized, Oh my God, you knew all along all this was going on. And I guess that might be where it is, but I mean, I'd love to know. I really wish it was Britney releasing a fucking book and not Juno because, but regardless, somebody's going to have to take one for the team and read that book because I'm not paying for it because I don't want to give her money. I will read the spark notes of it, but I'm not reading the book. (laughs) I I would love to know what happens. So someone's going to have to take one for the team and let us know, or I might honestly just buy it on Audible and then just return it. (laughs) Perfect. She's not getting a penny. (laughs) I'm getting a penny, honey. I'm giving all my pennies to Britney, baby. And having said that, that brings us to the end of this track by track. Bridget, thank you so much for doing this with me. You are another Britney fanatic, and I feel blessed to have gotten to do this with you and to really just get to talk about Britney with you. And thank you so much for having me on. I think your podcast is so important because so many people like people go on Instagram, like post pictures of these like celebrities, but they never talk about their music. So mm-hmm. I love that you always do like a track by track and like, you go through the eras about like everyone. Like you did Craig David, who I love. King. I think like, yes. So you, I just love what you're doing with your podcast. So thank you for having me on. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate that. All of you guys, make sure to follow Bridget on her Instagram at literal trash 2004. I'm going to say it again because it's so perfect at literal trash 2004. She posts about all the queens, all the kings, every iconic Y2K moment that you could think of that you would want to go on my page for. It'll be on there times 50. So definitely check her out. She is iconic. She is a queen. And thank you so much for doing this with me today, love. Thank you. All right, you guys. You guys all have a great day. And I hope you guys are celebrating 20 years of Britney because I know I am. Have a great day, y'all. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.